Hey guys, it's Kelly, and I want to welcome you back to the Unbroken Podcast. So, I followed the sentencing trial on Bloomberg.com. I'm going to put a link down in the description because there is a lot of things where you're actually able to click to get, like, the full... Uh, victim impact statements and different things like that. Um, obviously, I'm sure most people have heard she was sentenced to 20 years in uh, prison. She'll be serving it in the women's prison in Danbury, Connecticut, which if you have seen Orange is the New Black, that is the same prison that that story was based on. She was also given a $750,000 fine. There's really a lot to unpack when it comes to how this decision was reached. So I'm just going to read the updates. Um, The person that was basically live blogging actually did a pretty good job. Um, They started off very early saying that there were court restrictions, as is with all federal cases, that reporters outside the room can only monitor the proceedings via a video feed at the courthouse itself. Those inside the courtroom are not able to send anything out. Judge Nathan said that she had reviewed Maxwell's probation report as well as filings from prosecutors defense attorneys, and victims in advance to today's sentencing. She began by discussing the submissions she had received from both sides, including at least 10 letters in support of Maxwell's um, from her friends and family members. Prosecutor Allison Moe told the court that the six women who the evidence shows are victims of Maxwell's crimes have been notified that they could speak in court ahead of Maxwell's sentencing. They have a right to speak under the Federal Crime Victims' Rights Act. Asked whether she's seen the pre-sentencing report, Maxwell answers that she did not have the opportunity to read it. So... After that is when the proceedings were started with a discussion of the calculations for federal sentencing guidelines that would help determine Maxwell's potential sentence. Nathan tells the defense that she will first hear their arguments addressing the probation report that's prepared by court officials ahead of sentencing. The judge will then use it in help with determining which sentence she will impose. Maxwell's lawyers object to details in the report, including testimony from a formal, I'm sorry, former Epstein employee, Juan Alessi, who worked at the Palm Beach mansion. They also objected to the government's evidence that Epstein wired Maxwell at least $23 million and that she controlled the accounts. Nathan credits this as proven at trial. Alessi, Alessi, sorry, I'm probably saying it wrong, um, testified at trial that he was supposed to be blind, deaf, and dumb regarding what he witnessed inside Epstein's Palm Beach home. 
I credit the testimony, Nathan said. The defense had apparently assailed the credibility of four victims and their account of Maxine's role in the sex trafficking scheme. And basically the judge was just saying that it was credible what they were testifying about. Nathan also overruled Maxine's objection to the contention that she groomed one of the victims, Jane, saying the defendant took steps to make Jane feel comfortable and encouraged her to engage in illegal sex acts with Epstein. That's basically saying that the judge agreed that there was grooming behavior that took place. The victim identified during the trial only as Jane testified that she was 14 and had just lost her father when Maxwell and Epstein picked her out of an <clears throat> excuse me an arts camp and later began sexually abusing her for years. Nathan finds that Virginia Gireff, I know I'm not saying that right, but Virginia Roberts is how she's also known, was a minor when Maxwell approached Virginia for the first time and Virginia went to the mansion for the first time. She was 17 years old. Um, the judge also finds the victim, Carolyn, which is a pseudonym or fake name, whatever, uh, was only 14 when Roberts brought her to Epstein's residence for the first time to give Epstein a sexualized massage. Prosecutors argued at trial that Maxwell and Epstein created a pyramid scheme where they paid impoverished girls hundreds of dollars for these encounters and paid them more to bring in other girls. So to kind of explain this, and this is something that's very common within sex trafficking rings and sex trafficking altogether, basically they groom the victims on how to groom other girls or boys to come and to be sex trafficked. When I was kidnapped by James and brought to another state, he actually was trying to get me to do that. My parents also themselves had tried to get me to bring in other girls. So it's like, Maxwell and Epstein are at the top, and then there's a set of victims under them, and then they all brought in other victims. Now, yes, they did bring other girls, but they were under so much control, brainwashing, gaslighting, and psychological abuse. We really can't hold them accountable for that because it's pretty much you know that if you don't do this and you don't bring them girls you will be punished and when I say punished I mean punished in a way that's worse than death I could get into details but I don't really think that it's appropriate so um that's what they mean by pyramid scheme so prosec or the next one, the judge addresses two perjury counts which prosecutors are agreed to drop after Maxwell was convicted in December of five crimes, including engaging in a decade-long sex trafficking scheme, 
Prosecutors had charged Maxwell with lying under oath when she denied knowing about Epstein's sexual abuse of underage girls. Uh, Judge Nathan said the credible testimony at trial disproves these assertions made under oath. I mean, take that for what you want. Uh, Maxwell's defense team appears to register a blanket objection to nearly all evidence presented at trial by prosecutors, including the reliability of the four accusers whom prosecutors said were victims of Maxwell and Epstein. Um, U.S. sentencing guidelines establish a uniform policy for setting the punishment of people and organizations convicted of federal crimes. The two sides are given an opportunity to object to findings in pre-sentence report before the judge decides what the actual range is. And I'm pretty sure... Um, they don't say it in this article, but um, there was a lot about memories. And if um, uncovered repressed memories were valid memories or not. And I know that that was something that the defense was essentially trying to do, was saying that, well, they didn't remember for so many years, and now they remember, and it's a false memory, quote-unquote. Um, the U.S. probation officials have apparently told the judge that Maxwell could face a term of 292 months to 360 months, but said she should only get a term of 20 years. Defense lawyer Christian Everdell argues that Maxwell should be sentenced under earlier sentencing guidelines, meaning she should get less prison time than the 30 to 55 years prosecutors say she should get. Maxwell's defense team has asked for a prison term of just 51 months to 63 months. Um, so that's about just about four and a half to five and a half years. Um, so... Maxwell is objecting to prosecutors' request that Nathan find she played a leadership role in the criminal scheme. Nathan says the guidelines require her to find she was an organizer or leader and that the activity involved more than five participants. Basically, at this point, the defense was trying to set up for it to appear that Epstein was the main guy and she was essentially controlled by him and that he did the sex trafficking and she was basically just there. Um, prosecutor Allison Moe argues that Maxwell exercised supervision and leadership over others in the criminal scheme, identifying Epstein employee Sarah Kellen as one of those individuals Maxwell instructed to contact some of the underage girls for Epstein. We have two knowing conspirators, Epstein and Maxwell, she says. While Maxwell is directing that person, like Kellen, to take on responsibilities to contact victims for Epstein. The defense lawyer Christian Everdell objects to this argument saying that Kellen operated independently of Maxwell 
and that Kellen was Epstein's assistant. Again, this is really important when it came to the sentencing because if that were true, then she would have gotten a lighter sentence. Um, Everdell said being present does not mean you are a supervisor. That's way too far of a stretch. Nathan says she must apply the sentencing guidelines in place at the time of the offense was committed, saying applying the current guidelines would result in a significantly lower sentence than she would get under the ones that were in place when the crime happened. So this, to me, was like one of the most disturbing parts. Literally, if she had committed the crimes in this time, like in 2021 or whatever, then she would not have been able to get as heavy of a sentence as she did. Um, they essentially looked at what the guidelines were back in the early 2000s and late 90s when these crimes took place. So it just shows where I talk about we need to strengthen the laws, we need to change the laws, and I mean this just shows that because they've been getting lenient over the years. Why? I have absolutely no idea. Call your late... Call your legislators and ask them, because this is just insane to me. <laughs> and sorry, I'm like kind of getting tongue-tied. I have such a stiff neck. I slept wrong last night, and I'm actually trying to record this laying in bed, and it's not exactly working the greatest. So it's kind of hard to, um, to edit the way that I usually do. So moving forward, Nathan says that calculating a sentence for Maxwell hinges on whether there's any evidence that shows that criminal conduct continued after November 1st, 2004. The judge says there isn't evidence to support the higher guidelines sought by prosecutors. This means the court will impose her sentence under the more lenient guidelines calculation which would be is a victory for the defense. According to the defense, then that means Maxwell would be facing less than 20 years in prison. But I'm going to get a little further up and you'll see how that changes. The judge finds that Maxwell did supervise Kellen because for a time she worked as the socialite's personal assistant. Maxwell was Epstein's lady of the house, Nathan concludes. Nathan says the two pilots who worked for Epstein were supervised by Maxwell. Epstein, or Nathan said Epstein and defendant had the pilots fly victims of the conspiracy across the time frame of all counts. Ms. Maxwell supervised Ms. Mr. Epstein's household and supervised his personal staff. Nathan is now saying that she is enhancing Maxwell's sentence because she was at least 10 years older than the victims and exercised undue influence upon them. So she did go under the stricter guidelines, but it wasn't, um, oh, excuse me, it wasn't because 
they did not continue. It was because of the age of the victims. Um, the judge finds that Maxwell had victim Caroline engage in commercial sex acts and paid her money, which is the definition of sex trafficking. Caroline tested, she testified she was paid hundreds of dollars for each encounter with Epstein, with Maxwell sometimes paying her in the kitchen before she left. So, that right there also shows that she was more than just uh, an assistant. She was part of this. Um, I guess, like, the easiest way is she was a co-conspirator. Not only, like, yes, Epstein did everything, but she did it as well. She wasn't just acting on him, you know. Uh, sorry, it's been a very rough day. But um, that was one of the biggest things that they needed to prove was she essentially acted on her own on a lot of things. So that's basically what the judge said that she had found. Um, Nathan finds that both Carolyn, who was 14... Um, from Palm Beach when she met Maxwell and Epstein, as well as a girl named, quote-unquote, Melissa, were sex trafficking victims, which is pretty important when it comes to the charges. Nathan has found there were five victims who were underage at the time of Maxwell's crimes, Jane, Annie Farmer, and Carolyn, as well as Virginia and the girl known as Melissa. Nathan says the guidelines range is 210 months to 262 months. Nathan then revised it to 188 to 235. It doesn't really say why, but it's really not important. Um, so basically it was um, about 15 years and 8 months to 19 years and 7 months. Maxwell also argued that the $10 million bequest she got from Epstein should not be factored into her assets and her ability to pay a criminal penalty. At this point, they were basically trying to show that she was indigent. Um, not really sure, like, the exact definition of the term, but it's like, um, I didn't have a job when I got divorced from my ex-husband, so there was a lot of fees that were waived. I just had to, it's basically kind of like when you file for assistance or something like that, it just waives court costs and different things like that. Um, Nathan overruled the defense and said it is included as an asset in Ms. Maxwell's financial assets. So the judge will consider the $10 million request from Epstein to Maxwell. Maxwell had argued she wasn't able to pay a fine. Finances have been a moving target, the judges said, noting that Maxwell initially claimed to have just $3 million in assets. And the figure has been revised repeatedly. So she, Nathan said that she was not persuaded that the defendant is indigent. The judge then said that she was shocked that it was 12.30 and was going to take a 30-minute lunch break. Um, 
right before they adjourned for lunch, she said that they would hear from the government, then the victims, then the defense, and then Maxwell in that order. Um, they noted that during the morning's proceedings, Maxwell had been seated to the far left at a table with her two lawyers. She occasionally drank from a tall paper cup and took notes. She looked at papers and several times leaned over to hear her attorney Everdell talk. She has not shown much emotion so far, but then... What has happened in court has been pretty dry ahead of the victim impact statements. Damian Williams, who took over the U.S. Attorney's Office that oversaw the prosecution of Maxwell last year, was in the courtroom watching the proceedings. Um, then court came back in session and there were just talking about different things and how people looked. Um, prosecutor Allison Moe was going to speak for the government and she was starting with Jane. Their pain is real and it matters, Moe said. Maxwell trapped young girls in a horrifying nightmare. Moe says Maxwell first met the victim known as Jane at summer camp in 1994. What Maxwell did in the years that followed to Jane and Kate and Annie and Virginia and Carolyn and Melissa was almost unspeakable. These girls were just kids. They were just finding their way in the world. These kids had hopes and dreams for the future and the defendant used those dreams to abuse them. What kind of person leads young girls to massage the feet of a middle-aged man? What kind of person gets a 16-year-old girl in a ranch in the middle of nowhere, citing Annie Farms' testimony. What kind of person flies around on a plane with underage girls so when her boyfriend always has someone to touch? Maxwell was an adult woman, and she made the choice week in, week out, to commit crimes with Jeffrey Epstein to make his crimes possible. What kind of person would use their privilege, their power in this world to intentionally prey on the vulnerable young girls from struggling families, girls without fathers, girls who needed help? These are the actions of a person who is indifferent to the suffering of other human beings. Oh, sorry. Um... To Maxwell, there were two kinds of people in this world, the people who really mattered and the people she thought were disposable. The socialite took millions of dollars from Epstein. That's because they were predators together. They were partners in crime, and they molested kids together. The defendant has lied repeatedly. She has been dishonest to the court. And she has made misrepresentations when it suits her. There are cases that deserve a longer sentence than guidelines call for. This is that case. It is exactly that case. This time is the time to impose an above-guideline sentence. Mo, Mo, the speaking for the government, citing Maxwell's breathtaking conduct. Maxwell's conduct was shockingly predatory and calls for an above-the-guideline sentence. 
a sentence that sends a message that those who conspire with sexual predators will be held responsible for their roles in these crimes. We ask the court to send a message that nobody is above the law and that nobody is too rich or powerful to be held accountable. You should not hesitate to hold the defendant accountable for her crimes. She deserves decades in prison, Mo concluded. And then now it was time for the victims to speak. Um, there is a link within this article. Um, if you go from the bottom to the top, they had submitted their victim impact statements um, prior to the hearing. So you can actually go in and read those. I'm not going to read them uh, for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, I don't feel like it is my story to tell, and I usually don't tell other people's stories, but also some of them can be pretty graphic and triggering to some people and some of the listeners, so I'm just going to skip through them. I, I do respect them very much. I'm very proud that they got up and did what so many of us did not have the strength to do, but I think, and I, I really urge all of you to go and to read them because they deserve to be heard. Um, so continuing, uh, I'm sorry, I'm trying to scroll up. So the defense attorney started to speak after the victims gave their impact statements. Um, Bobby Sternum, Sternheim, I really don't know how to say it. These names are horrible, is addressing the victim saying she wants to acknowledge the courage you have exhibited. Your statements are immensely powerful. We recognize that any sentence in this case is going to be significant and is going to be immensely punishing. I don't know if you can hear my eyes rolling. Um, the government's request is out of proportion. Jeffrey Epstein would have faced the same sentence and he is clearly far more culpable than Ghislaine Maxwell. Maxwell has lived the entirety, entirety of her life under giant clouds that have cast a very dark shadow. Um, and the attorney was noting her client's eldest brother suffered a tragic accident within 72 hours of her birth that led to his death. Stern harm, whatever the defense attorney Maxwell had to live first under the control of her father, British publishing Baron Robert Maxwell and then under Epstein. The court needs to consider there is an extensive period that has elapsed since the end of the proposed conduct. She poses no danger to society or recidivism. I don't know if I said that right, but it's basically the uh, official term for um, reoffending. The defense lawyer cites the good works that Maxwell has done at the federal jail in Brooklyn, teaching English as a second language, financial assistance, and teaching fellow inmates in her unit. 
She has the ability and desire to be law-abiding and to do good. The court should not send her away for the rest of her life. Miss Maxwell is being sentenced for terrible conduct. There's no denying that, but she has the ability and the desire to be law-abiding, which she has exhibited, and to do good. Before the charged offense and for the better part of 20 years, she has demonstrated she is not a danger to anyone. And that's when her defense attorney concluded. Oh, this next part was really hard. And it was Maxwell speaking. Um, she started off saying, Your Honor, it is hard for me to address the court after listening to the pain and anguish expressed today. The terrible impact on the lives of so many women is difficult to hear and even more difficult to absorb in its scale and its extent. I want to acknowledge their suffering. I empathize deeply with all of the victims in this case. I acknowledge what I, I acknowledge with that I have been a victim of helping Jeffrey Epstein commit these crimes. Epstein fooled all of those in his orbit. His impact upon all those who were close to him has been devastating. Jeffrey Epstein should have been here before you. He should have stood here in 2005 and 2009 and again in 2019. But today is not for Jeffrey Epstein. It is for me to be sentenced. Victims considered him as a godfather, a mentor, a benefactor, a friend, a lover. It is absolutely unfathomable today to think that was how he was viewed contemporaneously. His impact on all those close to him has been devastating. I'm sorry for the pain that you experienced. I hope this brings the women who have suffered some measure uh, who have suffered some measure of peace and faintly to help you put those experiences of so many years ago into a place that allows you to look forward and not look back. It is my sincerest wish to all those in this courtroom and all of those outside of this courtroom that today brings a terrible chapter to an end. May this day help you travel through darkness into the light, Maxwell tells the victims before concluding. I am floored. She absolutely is continuing to abuse us victims by gaslighting and to have the audacity for her to say that she was a victim in helping him. No. You weren't a victim. You made the choices. You did it. I mean, my mind is just like, what? Like, when I read that, I just burst out into, like, burst into tears because this woman is as evil as it comes. And in my experience, I think she was worse than Epstein. It's just not, it's not right. <laughs> but this is something that I have personally seen when I worked as an advocate and sat with victims in domestic abuse cases and also for restraining orders. I've seen it with my own parents and um, 
they use the court to basically continue to abuse the victims. So in her statement, she's essentially saying, listen, I get it, guys. I'm a, I'm a victim, too. And I'm so sorry that you were victims, but I was a victim, too. So, you know, it's just absolutely disturbing. Um, so the Judge Nathan then said, Counselor, or counsel, let me gather my thoughts for a moment. Um, so then she began to impose the sentence. Miss Maxwell directly and repeatedly and over the course of many years participated in a horrific scheme to entice, transport, and traffic underage girls, some as young as 14. Miss Maxwell is not being punished in place of Epstein, nor as a proxy for Epstein. Miss Maxwell is being punished for her role. Maxwell's behavior was heinous and predatory. Noting, uh, Nathan says, noting she worked with Epstein to select young victims who were vulnerable. Nathan is citing how one victim, Jane, was befriended by Maxwell when she was just 14. Nathan also said that Maxwell normalized the sexual abuse. One victim, Carolyn, confided in Maxwell that her mother was an alcoholic and she had been raped by her grandfather. The defendant was aware of this knowledge and used it to subject Carolyn to continuing cycles of sexual abuse. The damage done to these young girls was incalculable. Nathan says not only of their abuse at the hands of Epstein and Maxwell, but also by having to testify about it and endure zealous cross-examination. I, I mean, the cross-examinations were just absolutely horrifying. And these women that w did this were just so incredibly brave because I don't think I could have handled it. Um... Uh, Nathan goes on and says the conduct demands a substantial sentence. A substantial sentence will send an unmistakable message that those who engage in the sexual abuse and trafficking of underage victims will be held against the law. The rule of law demands, and this court agrees, that whether you are rich or powerful or entirely unknown, Nobody is above the law. Nathan says she did take into account Maxwell's overbearing and demanding father and the tragic death of her brother. Nathan rejected arguments by the defense that Maxwell was singled out at the Brooklyn Metropolitan Detention Center for harsh and punishing treatment. She said Miss Maxwell's treatment at the MDC was as good as if not better than the typical MDC detainee during the pandemic. Nathan addresses Maxwell's statement in court saying, what wasn't addressed was an acceptance of responsibility and says that there was a lack of acceptance of responsibility. And that's kind of what I was saying about her statement. She never took responsibility for her actions. It was always, well, it was Epstein's fault. Epstein made me do it. 
and there was enough evidence to prove that in a lot of things Maxwell acted alone um, and that was when she dropped the sentence that Maxwell gets 20 years in prison for sex trafficking and is also fined $750,000. Today's sentence holds Ghislaine Maxwell accountable for perpetrating heinous crimes against children, Manhattan U.S. Attorney Damian Williams said in his statement. This sentence sends a strong message that no one is above the law and it is never too late for justice. And then that was when Nathan recommended Maxwell be sent to the women's prison, um, low security federal prison in Danbury, Connecticut. Um, Piper Kerman, who was basically wrote Orange is the New Black, and then her story is ba- or the show is based on her story, and also reality TV star Teresa Giddens. Um, I think she was in the Housewives of New Jersey or something. And then that was the end of the hearing. Um, it, I mean, I've just fitted into about 35 minutes, but it went on for most of the morning into the afternoon. Um, it was a hard day. It was, it's been a hard couple of years since she had gotten arrested, um, at the time of her arrest, I wasn't even, I didn't even know, to be honest, that the woman was, that was, it was her in the episode, The Woman. Um, my parents had me so convinced that the people that I remembered were my grandparents. And this just shows, like, the psychological damage and gaslighting and you know, brainwashing that they do. Like, they had me convinced that they were my grandparents. And it wasn't that they told me Maxwell and Epstein was my grandparents, but if I remembered something that I did with them, they told me that it was my grandparents that I did that with. But during the trial, they had talked about um, her, everyone having to have short hair, and it was something about haircuts, And I was looking for a picture of Maxwell where I actually had the same exact haircut, same exact color, and I'm a natural blonde. So having black hair, I mean, obviously I had to change it. Um, And that's when I found a picture of her from back then because it was like all the pictures were current. And as soon as I saw that picture of her, like my heart just sank into my stomach, like, oh gosh, she's even doing it it now but it was just that's when it clicked who they were and it's it's so hard one of the victims talked about um you know basically everything just sank in when they saw the picture with Virginia Roberts and Prince Andrew but this is what is so difficult for us survivors and victims is we are so traumatized that our mind protects us by dissociating and with that comes amnesia and it's not very easy to uncover those memories. I mean, I was trafficked for so long and I don't remember everything. I remember bits and pieces. 
some of the memories are whole, some are not. It, I mean, it's, it's tough. Um, and again, like I said in the beginning, that was brought up a lot by the defense, essentially trying to discredit. So these monsters, they damage their victims so much that they can't remember things. And then they use that against them to say that, you know, essentially they're lying or not remembering correctly, which anyone that's been listening from the beginning, yeah, my parents said that to me a lot, but, um, it's a, it's a good thing that she got 20 years, um, she's gonna be gone for a long time, she can't hurt anybody, but... 20 years is definitely not enough time. And the thought that if she had been caught in recent years, it would have been even less is just so absolutely disturbing and terrifying. But uh, this nightmare is over. Hopefully all of us can put this behind us and... She can just rot for 20 years. And, I mean, it sucks that it's a low low security, but um, it is better than nothing. But um, I tried to, you know, make a whole bunch of videos on TikTok, and I'm just like, I can't do this. It's going to be like 30,000 videos. So that's why I did it in a podcast episode. But, um... To all those that have been messaging and calling and reaching out, asking how I am, I don't know. I am halfway between angry that it was only 20 years, terrified that other traffickers, including mine, are going to try to silence us more and our lives are essentially in more danger to also happy that this is something I mean she's not going to prison for something she did directly to me but one of the bad guys lost and the bad guys not in my life anyway the bad guys never tend to lose so it's been a journey to say the least um definitely taking a toll on my mind on my heart on my soul and uh It's time to move on, and, oh, it's just been one of those days. But I'm going to leave it there for tonight. I'm probably going to um, do a couple more episodes talking about this, um, but definitely not tonight. I need to decompress and just try to relax. I've... I've been trying to relax all day, and it's just, I can't sit still, but thank you so much for the continued love and support. Thank you for reaching out to me, um, all the people that noticed that I kind of been hiding um, for the past few weeks, but I've been waking up in full-fledged panic attacks, nightmares every night, every nap. Um, it's, it's been rough. And I'm glad that I have such a great support system through y'all and through my husband and all my friends. So I hope y'all have an amazing night 
And let's just be happy that a very huge, disgusting, evil, sadistic monster is behind bars and can't hurt anyone anymore. Um, obviously, she has the chance to appeal, but I don't see that happening. So I will update if that happens. But I hope y'all have a great night, and I will talk with y'all soon. Thanks.